be on camera. Um, I completely understand um, that, but if you can be on camera, um, that'll um, help us with just kind of connecting with each other. Um, so um, good evening and welcome to Young Urban Zen. And it's great to have you all um, here with us. Um, and um, the topic that you might've seen um, the, the, that was sent out has to do with um, different types of um, meditation, meditation apps, um, different things that we can do um, in the um, arena of calming ourselves down or connecting. Um, something traumatic happens and um, or triggering or um, anxiety producing and then we want to not feel that way. So then what happens? And, um, and then what, how, how's the contrast between apps like, you know, Headspace or um, different tips and tricks you might learn um, in order to um, feel a different way? Um, how, how is that analogous to or similar or different than Zazen, this thing that we do called Zazen? Um, and that's what I wanted to talk about this evening was the, the construct of Zazen. Um, how many of you um, have, have um, heard of the app Headspace? I'm just curious. Looks like the majority of the folks are raising their hands, shaking their heads. Um, so um, I, let me just state for the, the record, um, I, I love Headspace and I think it's great. Um, and I was watching a, a few different interviews with uh, the person who created that and seemed to be a very genuine individual with a lot of um, really um, had good advice and things that people could do. Um, and um, how many of you have also heard of mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR? Has anyone heard of that? Um, looks like a few have heard of MBSR. And um, that's another um, thing that can be a great guide in regard to um, dealing with the daily life. Because I think people have this very similar experience of I'm a human being, I'm feeling a certain way, I felt this way before in the past, I would like to not feel this way, and here I'm feeling this way again. Is there something I can do so that me as a human being could maybe not feel this way in the future? And so I think this is what has led a lot of individuals on spiritual paths or down paths of meditation or um, different sorts of um, pursuits. And um, that is what Zazen is about in a much, I guess you would say, broader or deeper sense, is being this person in this body, in this moment, in this time, in a way that is livable. In, in a way that is sustainable, now, in a way that seems like that this might be okay if this, how, this is how it was in the future as well. So what is the, the difference or are there differences? And why would we need a construct like Zazen um, that has all these things that surround it when you could download an app? Well, First off, I want to say that um, I think that the apps like Headspace and MBSR and um, other things you can learn um, are great. And um, I think that in many ways they're gateways. Um, they're things that are great for getting um, people started. 
and they're in many ways supports when you're by yourself and that's what you've got. But one of the things about Zazen is that it was um, originally practiced and brought into um, a community setting where you do it with a community and you do it with a teacher relationship. And because we have this construct, this is something that's not, let's say, holy. This is something that human beings came up with. And um, it's um, the best practices of being right here in this moment, in this time. And it's a construct. So we did all of this stuff to set our bodies up earlier. And we set up our, our lower body. We set up our, 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 um, from our head to our waist. And this is a construct. And somebody came up with it. And they thought it was a good idea. It seemed balanced. It seemed like a good way to breathe. It seemed like a sustainable way to support our knees and our lower back and that sort of thing. But it's a construct. And so in this construct, you have some very similar sorts of body experiences that can be discussed with a teacher. And oftentimes, Zazen was done with a teacher and with community, where you have um, a very similar construct, and then you can unpack that construct with a teacher. And we call it warm hand to warm hand. Um, it can be something that is, um, you know, my teacher is Paul Haller. He came from Ireland, and he and his teacher, um, you know, his teacher came um, was Mel Weitzman, and also Suzuki Roshi was before him, um, who ordained Mel Weitzman. And so um, you have these um, individuals that um, warm hand to warm hand that practice together. And they taught each other um, from this construct that was a similar construct of how to sit, how to be in that space. So it's a somatic experience that you settle into, but largely it is something that is a practice for life. It's a practice for life, like you practice violin and you get a violin space. You get a space that has a good um, stand for music. And you get a, a space that would be good for um, having um, good sound quality. And so you have a, a space to practice the violin. So if you ever been in a space in life and you thought, I really wish there was a way that I could practice to be in this body and in this mind in a way that it would make it easier, that is the Zazen space. So we get a blank wall and we get ourselves a good shot at not being distracted. And we have our body aligned in a, um, a yogic posture. And then we get to see our movie played up on that wall. And we, we get to feel our body. We get to have our nose itch and we get to have our future tripping and all the planning that we do and our worries and our joys and that thing that we wanted to eat for dinner. And whatever it is that came up into our mind is what gets played up on that wall as our movie, it's our life. And then our knee itches. And then we remember that thing. And then we think about that other thing. And we try to sit there in the midst of all of it and to not go to war with ourselves but to let whatever's happening right now be what is happening. It's our practice for life. And it's a setup 
that's different in many ways than other setups because we're doing it first for ourselves, so that in this practice, we can show up for other people. Because we all know what it's like to be forced nice. And I think maybe you all have heard me talk about this before, where you're forced nice, where I know that I'm an adult and I need to be nice, but I don't feel like being nice. I have to force myself to be nice because my emotional reservoir might be overflowing. It might be, I might've already had enough for today. And if I, and, and when I'm in that space, if the person next to me isn't very well behaved, that's going to cause me a lot of stress because I don't have a lot more space left in my emotional reservoir. My emotional reservoir is overflowing. And so I'm now being forced nice. But with the, the, the Zazen intention to be able to show up for other individuals, we start off with ourselves and we learn how to be accepting of what's happening right now. And so that's why we call it the school of immovable sitting is that when we're sitting, I'm not scratching my nose, not just because I'm learning how to concentrate and be a calm individual. I'm not doing it because I have an intention to be with whatever the universe is handing me while I'm sitting. It's practice for life. And we all know what it's like when the universe hands us something during the day that we don't want the universe to be handing us. And so we get up and we sit zazen in the morning and the universe is handing me the fact that I want to move or I want to do this or that, or I want to chase this thought or that thought. Or maybe I'm disturbed and worried and I don't want to sit with my thoughts. I'd rather daydream. I'd rather think about some interesting concept or some fun place to go rather than just sitting in the midst of what's coming up, not summoning anything, but just sitting in the midst of what's coming up and accepting that that is what is going on in the universe and not going to war with it, not going to war with myself and not wishing away the present moment. Not wishing away, when my nose quits itching, I'll get back to that Zazen stuff. No, that is the Zazen stuff. When I quit being disturbed by that looping thought in my head, then I'll be a calm meditator. What we're trying to do is we're trying to let that thing that's happening in our head for us to soften around it and to not go to war with it. You can choke on the smallest of objects and most people who choke, choked on something that technically there was enough airway around as far as the capacity in the throat to still have been able to breathe. But the reason we choke is that we tense up and panic and the muscles tense up and panic. And all of a sudden we lose the oxygen. And so when we're sitting Zazen and that thought comes up, that thing that person said, that thing that happened 10 years ago. And then I don't wanna be thinking about that. 
And I don't want that to be coming up. Can I soften around it? How come I always do that? How come I always do this thing? How come I always? If we can let go of how Zazen should be, that's our practice for being a human being. Letting go of how I think it should be. And it's not that in daily life we don't take action and we don't do things to avoid harm. But in the Zazen practice, it is a construct. It's a construct so that we can practice being with the things that we can't control in the moment as they are happening, whether they be things that feel like they are internal things that are coming forward or they're things that feel like they're happening to us from the outside, from the universe. There's a lot of things that we can't control, that we just inherit in the moment. And how we constrict in that moment around them has a lot to do with how clear-headed, how logical, how able we are to meet that moment. And so we sit every day on our cushions with this practice of zazen, which may or may not end you up at the end of sitting zazen feeling the way that I wanted to feel when I started. And that's the thing that is, I think, interesting. Because if I am at work and somebody says something that is really irritating and I go back to my desk, I have this technique of you know, um, focusing my mind and calming down I learned it from a psychiatrist like 15 years ago, you know, and there is nothing wrong with doing that. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not in any way being critical of things that we've learned that help us in a moment of crisis to deal with the anxiety or the tension. But Zazen is something that is more long-term. And so, for instance, if you were to play a violin beautifully in a concert as a soloist, it might be thrilling. It might be a spiritual experience in order to be able to be in that moment in that way. But not every day when you were practicing the violin was it necessarily fun. And when you were finished playing the violin, you might have even sometimes been a little bit worn out at practice. And there's this very famous story of one of the senior Japanese teachers that came over to Tassajara, our Zen mountain monastery down south. And after a period of Zazen, walked out on the Ngawa and yelled, I hate Zazen. I don't know what was going on for him in that period of Zazen, but it wasn't fun. And that is what happens sometimes with our daily practice of being with what's coming up. And over time, what has been found is that reservoir that we talked about, that reservoir that you have to hold the upsetness, that reservoir somehow or another expands. And you become more able to hold the things that you don't like about yourself or you're not inclined to want to see. 
most of us want to spend our time thinking about things that make us feel beautiful, strong, and brave. But there's all sorts of things that come up that do not fit into those sorts of categories. And if we can learn to love those things and hold those things gently and not constrict around them and not go to war with them, but to be right there with them, like you're holding a small baby that's crying, knowing that you're not gonna talk the baby out of being upset, knowing that the only way that you can be there is to be spacious. If we can learn to do that with ourselves every day on the cushion, as our nose itches, as we get a little bit jealous about this or that, as we feel threatened about this or that, as we feel impatient, and if we can soften around those things, there's something that seems to happen with that emotional reservoir inside that expands. And it makes it easier for us to hold the things that come up. And the key difference between Zazen and a lot of the, I guess you would say, more connected spiritual pursuits that are connected to community, connected to teacher, connected to thou, is that starting off with learning how to eventually calm down and be more spacious with ourselves is just step one. The entire intention is for this world to be a place that is an easier place for human beings to inhabit. And I want to be a part of that solution. And it's really hard for me to show up for my neighbor when I'm at war with myself. We've all known individuals that seem to be tormented inside, really wound and unhappy with themselves and with the universe. We've probably all been that person at times in our life. How hard is it to show up for other people when we're like that? When we're like that, we want to go to war with the planet, not just ourselves. And so that is one of the key differences when you dig into something that is as deep as Zazen, is that it isn't just about whether or not I'm gonna calm down at my desk after what just went on in that last meeting. And it's not to say that the, a lot of other meditative practices don't go very deep as well. But the purpose for us learning to grow in these spiritual ways is so that we can learn to show up for other individuals and not have to do it in a way where I'm being forced nice, where I have to force myself to show up for you because I know that I'm an adult and I should, and I shouldn't be mean and I should be nice. But inside, I'm really stressed out that I have to show up for you right now because I have my emotional reservoir totally full and it's stressing me out. And what happens when I get stressed out? I tend to act out. I tend to do things that are not as mindful. I might drink too much. I might eat stuff that I don't want to eat. I might do escapist mentalities. I might do a bunch of shopping. I might get, you know, who knows what might happen when I am stressed out and I feel like that I need to release that stress. And I will keep digesting more and more stress if that emotional reservoir is overfilling all the time, overflowing. 
because the people around me need to be kind of perfect if my emotional reservoir is full. But how much nicer is it? How much, how, how wonderful is it when you can show up for someone else and it just isn't stressing you out? And we, we somehow or another as adults come to a place of almost like a cap, I think, without some sort of intentional work. So most of us have migrated from the place where when we were five years old or let's say three years old and we dropped our ice cream in the dirt. You know, um, I think I've used this analogy before here, but when you're three and you drop your ice cream in the dirt and it is gone, that is the end of the universe. And your toys don't exist. Your house doesn't exist. Nothing exists. All there is, is pure sorrow because your ice cream is now gone. And your emotional reservoir cannot take losing your ice cream oftentimes when you're three because that is your entire focus was your ice cream. And now it is gone. Now, as an adult, I still get sad if I drop my ice cream, but I can take it. And there are things that are going to happen next. And I will not lose my focus. And I will not, you know, have to take it out on probably the next person that I see. And I will not have to go to the corner and cry for five or 10 minutes. And I will not go on and on about it for the next 30 minutes to all the people that I see. Because I am still incredibly agitated over having lost my ice cream. Somehow or another, I entered adult land at some point and I was able to withstand losing my ice cream. And my emotional reservoir can take that. But somewhere along the line, there was this cap that happened where people say stuff at work, people say stuff in my family, and I feel like I'm three again. I feel like I can't focus for the next 10 minutes. I feel like that I'm going to have the residue of bother on me and the next three or four people I meet are going to know that I was really disturbed and very unhappy about that thing that happened. And that's a lot of how we experience life in adult land is all of the different things that we try not to let bother us, but we keep getting bothered by it. And so the thing that was so encouraging to me around Zazen and learning some of the beauty of this is that it was one of the very first things I ever found that seemed to expand that emotional reservoir inside, where one day I was just looking in the mirror and I realized that something had changed, that that thing that that person had said, it bothered me a little bit but it bothered me a lot less than it used to. And that the half-life of bother, if you will, the rate at which my bother dissipated and, and left me, somehow or another sped up. The half-life of bother sped up. And somehow or another, what used to ruin a good afternoon only ruined like 40 minutes. And I was like, huh, something has changed here. That's our practice for life. It's our practice for being able to show up for what's going on with this person, with this body, with this mind in this moment. 
and that is our zazen practice. And it's not something that when we sit down on the cushion, we know what's going to happen. And when I finish sometimes, I might actually feel like saying, I hate zazen. But it is a daily practice that is like working out. And not every single workout is fun. And you go to the gym or you go to the park and not every, not every single workout is fun. But you go through it anyway, because you know that something in there is being built time after time after time. You're building something. And one of the illusions sometimes of meditation is that if I sit down and I do it right, then when I'm done, I'm going to be this blissful human being. But what might actually happen is you might actually get in touch with some things that you would rather not have to see. But there's something about looking at the monster under the bed that calms the psyche over time, rather than staying in the dark and pulling the covers up higher over our heads. And so I think that the different things that are out there that you can um, use for meditation, um, that you can use for um, ways to calm down, ways to center, ways to um, be with this moment are great, great tools. But the Zazen practice is something that's a part of a community practice. It's a part of being with a teacher. It's a part of being with yourself so that ultimately we can be with the rest of the universe so that we can be with the other people that we run into. And we can be there without having to be forced nice. We can actually show up. And I think each of us, if we thought about our lives, you could think about somebody in your life that has space for you naturally, where you don't have to be the perfect person. And how much easier is it for you to show up in a moment when someone holds space for you and you know that you don't have to be perfect? You learn better. You remember more. You're kinder. You're so much more apt to connect with the next moment when you're being treated that way. And so first we learn how to treat ourselves that way by our daily Zazen practice. And then we start to slowly be able to show up for other people. And then maybe one day for the people that bother us the most. Thank you for listening. So, um, yeah, 